Dear little sisters, thank you for tuning into this episode. We're really excited to share the stories of our guests with you. We hope that after each episode, you come out a little bit more inspired and can dream just a little bit bigger. So listen, reflect, and refocus. We truly hope you enjoy this insightful conversation. Thanks for listening. little sisters. We're very excited to introduce you to Ms. Lee Dim, who we'll be chatting with today. Lee is the Executive Director of the nonprofit organization Steampark. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm so impressed with what you guys do. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So our first question is, what is your journey to get to where you are today? So thank you for asking. And it's really hard to pinpoint exactly, you know, what specific things in my life have gotten me to where I am. I am a mother of four kids. Um, I was raised as a a daughter of, uh, you know, I was in an Air Force family, so we moved around a lot. I went to 13 different schools, um, one sibling, kind of a small family. And one of the things that I loved was books. I read all the time. And I always wanted to be that athlete or whatever, but it was really never that coordinated. Um, and I, I, of course, I love my friends like any kid. Um, and then growing up, I got into uh, purchasing. So I was a buyer and I was in product development and sourcing for, let's see, Toys R Us, Macy's, Target. Um, and then at some point I switched over to the other side, be, got into fashion merchandising and more of the design and sourcing side. And then I had my third kid, I guess, my third child, and stopped working. Um, And that was so hard. Um, It's hard to be a woman, I think, to to, to reach kind of higher levels in whatever job, occupation, field you're in, and then recognize that, you know, it's kind of hard to be both a mother as well as like hardcore worker person, you know, like I was traveling a lot at the time. So I, I, I did, I took a step back and um, became PTA president of a couple of schools. And I raised my kids and, you know, nursed them and fed them healthy foods and did everything a mother was supposed to do. Fast forward, um, then we, my husband had a job opportunity in Israel. So we lived, Israel, so we lived overseas in Tel Aviv for a couple of years. Um, I'm Catholic, I'm not Jewish. I, I learned a lot about, you know, different cultures and um, and so, and we did a lot of traveling while over there and I was exposed to a whole bunch of different types of communities and, and um, third world countries. And, you know, and, and, and one thing that was astounding to me was just for the first time in my life, I saw how powerful women really are, you know, and, and everywhere we went, the, the, the women were the ones that seemed to be keeping the communities together. And I was really impressed by that. Um, coming back to the United States a couple of years later, um, I was trying to figure out where, where, where my path would take me, right? Because um, I still I had four kids and, you know, we were trying to navigate schools, getting back to the United States. And at that point, we thought about moving and trying to find, you know, different schools. And, and I started doing some research and I realized, yes, United States is amazing. We're not a third world country by any stretch, but there are all kinds of, uh, there's, there's a, lack of, a lack of equity in our country and there are all kinds of problems with poverty. And, um, and, uh, and so, you know, you could be in this gorgeous bubble of a rich community and a couple miles away, there might be people living in their cars, right? So, so I, I realized I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna 
be that person, you know, I, I wanted to be able to make a difference somehow. I didn't want to keep chasing the dollar and find that job that gave me a nice salary. And I was fortunate enough to be able to kind of be in a spot where I could do that. So, so, um, so yeah, I, I, um, I started uh, the, I was, a, I founded this nonprofit in 2017. Oh my gosh, I worked so many hours. You have no idea for no pay 2016, 2017 hit all of my friends up for money or support. You know, our first program, um, we became a 501c3 and our, our first board uh, also had a school superintendent, um, an attorney, it was really great. It was it was exciting and I learned a lot from my peers and, and anybody that would sit still long, long enough to let me benchmark what they did, you know, to kind of adopt their best practices into to what we do. Um, but uh, volunteers in our program, all of that, and we slowly, slowly we built um, and, and so what we do now is we offer, um, we, we try to work for, to build better futures for kids from underserved populations and underserved households, under-resourced households. Um, and that's, that's this nonprofit, it's called Steam Park. We help build skills in science, tech, engineering, art, and math with hands-on experiments guided by certified teachers in, uh, in after-school enrichment programs and summer camps, basically. And the big thing that we try to work on is, you know, not only to be holistic, but to work on reading comprehension and digital literacy, because quite often, especially in under-resourced um, under uh, school districts and households, these kids are just getting left behind very quickly. And, and there's a lack of equity there. It's just not fair, right? And so um, um, the, the, nobody can, can survive without these skills, digital literacy especially. Um, we also serve meals through partnerships with food banks in Mercer and Monmouth counties. And then we have a social worker because sometimes like if your belly isn't full or if, if you have all these other problems, if you're housing insecure, you're not really going to care about math or history or reading or whatever. So we try to help, you know, in the periphery of, 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 of the kids' lives as well. Um, we partner with anybody that, that is interested in, in holding our hands and, you know, doing what we do. The Affordable Housing Alliance, um, there was a Wall Street company called Instanet that helped us teach kids about the stock market. This amazing pharmaceutical company, Bristol-Myers Squibb, um, one of our first program partners was the Rehabilitation Lab of Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And this brilliant neuroscientist from NYU that started a nonprofit based on social connectedness. So I guess that's my journey. Um, we, I, I, I feel strongly and, and I guess we, you know, we, by extension, Steam Park as well, we feel strongly that kids need to be engaged at a young age, you know, to ignite the spark. Um, you can call it workforce development, you know, whatever you want to call it. But if you wait until high school, you, it, it, it's there's no way that that it's too late. Basically, there's a lack of comprehension of the most basic concepts. And and, and quite honestly, there, sometimes there aren't even higher level classes offered in under-resourced public schools. So without scaffolding from programs like ours, that opportunity gap will continue to widen. And, it, you know, it's just not fair. And so, um, yeah, that's that's my journey. I have, as I said, four kids. Um, I, I now we just adopted a second dog. I live in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and I am grateful for every minute in this beautiful place. Um, I. I used to be a singer dancer as a, as a young, younger person um, at Hershey Park and another amusement park before that. And I did some summer stock in Connecticut. Um, yeah, that's that's my journey, I guess. I'm still going. I don't know what my <laughs> next role will be, but that's that's, I guess, how I got here.
That's so cool. And like what stood out to me about your journey, especially the first part of it, is that you really had a very exploration oriented um, mindset. Like going into your career, you're always like shifting from place to place. And I think that's so unique. And you also obviously mentioned motherhood. And in a lot of ways, that seems to have shaped your journey. And I think that that's really cool that while it's something that can limit you from having like a really demanding career, it can also shift your career in different ways and open new opportunities. And I think that's, that's really- true. You know, it's really funny you say that I never thought of it that way. A lot of times as a mother, we feel like completely overburdened because we want to be the very best mother we can and we want to be the best spouse we can. And there are these gender roles that that are that are, are, are I guess, uh, warm, you know, like, but it's very difficult to to do it all. And and I I worry about your generation because, you know, I had my first child at 25 and I think your generation is waiting till close to 40 because you want to do it all and then have babies. And I'm just I just hope that, you know, that that um, that it becomes easier for for you and hopefully with technology advancements and and all kinds of things, legislation that allows for parental leave, not just for the mother, you know, and all, all of these other things that are popping up now in support of of your generation of women, um, I applaud and I'm happy for. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think that kind of like what Bernice was saying goes to show that not only can your work impact your life, but your life can impact your work. So whatever is going on in your personal world, that can have an impact on your career, which it is not necessarily a good or bad thing, but it just the way life is sometimes. And that can open so many opportunities and doors for you. So true. I also, as women, we have to have the confidence to believe in ourselves. You know, I think so often, we feel we have to have that degree or that level of experience or or we don't apply or we don't put ourselves out there. So, you know, with Steam Park, I, uh, we hire, I'm trying to think maybe um, close to a hundred uh, people a year, employees, contractors, project-based, you know, long-term, whatever. And so I see a ton of resumes come across my desk and I swear to you, it's much more often that I will get a resume from a man that is underqualified for, you know, the whatever I put out there in the job uh, description um, versus a woman. Does that make sense? So I, we, I think as women, we just have to have that confidence and that and be brave and just explore things that we're not so familiar with. And and that's also how we find our, our next spark or our passion. I think that's perfectly said. I think that having that personal confidence to just put yourself out there, it can be scary at times. It can be intimidating, but just taking that leap can open so many doors and you might not feel like you're qualified, but you won't actually know until you try for that job. If if it doesn't work out, that's okay. There'll, there'll always be another opportunity, but putting your, without putting yourself out there, you're never going to know if you're qualified or not because you'll never have tried, but so true. Um, so our next question is, what is the importance of giving back to your community and being involved with your community? You know, it's really hard to put into words. Um, I guess, it, it, you know, this ties back into the first one, like your journey, why you do what you do and all that. I, I guess I would have to throw back, throw that back to you and all your listeners. How would you feel 
if you're in an environment where you have all the luxuries and the food and you're, you know, you go to the grocery store and you load your cart up with, you know, Haagen-Dazs and three flavors because you're not sure which one you like or fresh blueberries or whatever. And the person behind you has a loaf of bread, a bag of potatoes, and is counting out quarters and nickels, right? There's a lack of equity in our company, in our country everywhere. I mean, I'm sure, but, but I think, and then, and, it, and so I think it's so critically important to give back because it, it, you know it's really hard to to live in a society where you know so many people don't have those basic human rights being met, um, and we can't put it all into government. We just can't. It, you know, it's a big piece of it is on us, and it's not even that hard many times. And it, selfishly, it makes you feel great. I think quite often it's there, there are a lot of people out there that really want to help. And there are a lot of agencies and services that that have you know great things that people need, but there's a lack of of connectedness. So so for instance, in Monmouth County, where we live, we have a ton of services. It's an amazing place for you know for for that. But but there's a transportation issue where a lot of times people without cars can't get to those services. So the needs go unmet. You know, and and so all that takes is people holding hands to, and I think that's, it, it's required of us as humans to, to look out for our fellow man. You know, you can call it karma or whatever, but um, as we as we grow older, as you guys grow older as well, if we're not careful to look out for each other, then the infrastructure surrounding us won't be there anymore to support us when we need it. And no one will be looking out for us. I don't know, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think, that's so important and i love how you emphasize the importance of community service as more than just like giving back because it's true like we have to recognize how privileged we are there's so many opportunities that i have that i know most people aren't really exposed to and to use that as motivation i think that it kind of helps us too because community service can kind of ground you it helps you practice gratitude and also makes you more socially aware so even though you're helping others you're kind of helping yourself too because it definitely makes you feel better and has an impact on you as well it's very true and I'll, I'll tell you especially as a young person when you give back it is so incredibly powerful we um, steam park runs a program as you guys know and after school programs there was one in Keensburg and um, this might have been 2018 and we had a bunch of teenagers that were like homework helpers and program support, you know, and they came every day wearing their steam park shirts. And, and, and we had teachers as well, but the ones that really made a difference in the lives of like a fifth grader really was those teenagers. There was one young lady who, um, you know, to be honest, very wealthy young girl, or I think she was ninth grade. And, um, and she came once a week to this after school program and there was a little girl there whose dad had um, had uh, honestly he had OD'd. He, he he she had a lot of problems in her home life. She didn't have the support, and um, in school she didn't have a lot of friends because she was pretty difficult to get along with. Everything was always wrong. She was always you know just sort of negative and 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 causing problems. So this the teenager ended up spending a lot of time with her. And one day this little girl told the teenager. Oh, I like your scarf or whatever it was. And she got to talking to the girl, found out she really liked Harry Potter, but didn't really know how to read that well, but she liked Harry Potter, you know. 
So the teenager brought the little girl a scarf. She bought her a scarf and I, maybe it cost 10 bucks, I don't know, $5, but she brought her a scarf, she wrapped it up and she brought her um, a Harry Potter book. And the little girl, like it changed her world. Honestly, it changed her whole outlook because she realized somebody cared about her, you know? And, um, and so the teenager used to sit with her and try to help her read that book. And so not only did it change the young girl's life, but the teenager is now a sophomore in college and she tells that story all the time. It changed her because it made her realize, wow, I had no idea how impactful I could be at like whatever, 15 years old or whatever she was. But it's true, you really can. And little things like in one of our programs, um, to be honest, frequently we do it because it means a lot to me. We live in New Jersey, which is like, you know, not only are we the, what do they say, the medicine chest of the United States because we have all the pharma companies, but we have these beautiful farms and we're like blueberry capital of the world or whatever. So do you know most of the kids in the programs, the kids we serve and the programs we run, Asbury Park, Keensburg, Trenton, they've never tasted a blueberry or a blackberry before, you know, which is crazy. So, so we always bring, you know, fruit. How much does a little thing of blueberries cost? Maybe $4. But to see the, you know, the excitement in the kids like changing their palates and trying. So it's all about that experience. And honestly, it's much more powerful for me than it is for them. Some of them didn't even like blueberries. They expected them to taste like Pop-Tart flavor, you know, like blueberry Pop-Tarts. But now they're a little bit sour. <laughs> but to me, it was just profound, you know, and it, and it gave me all that excitement to keep pushing forward. Sometimes funding is hard to come by or like, you know, people don't show up to whatever. And, but it didn't matter because because uh, we were making a difference. Those are such powerful stories. And I think that how it really resonates with me is that it's all about the little things like blueberries or like Harry Potter. I think that a lot of people who are like our age, we're like we're in high school, we're still like kind of figuring things out. It doesn't feel like we can like make a difference. like. Obviously, like you should give back to the community, but it's really the little things that can make the biggest difference. And I think that that's so powerful. Yeah, and I, I also want you guys to know that I know as teenagers, you guys are so overburdened with all of the stresses on you. Like now all of us feel isolated and social media is difficult. And with you trying to figure out where am I going to college? What does my resume look like? You know, my friends or clubs or whatever. Just remember, if you if you screw up, if you make a commitment and then you don't, you're not able to follow through or whatever, don't beat yourself up. Just try again. It's really fine. It no matter what, failure. Can't, I know it sounds crazy, but failure I've learned is an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing because you're like, oh, huh? You grow from it, you know. And then you realize it's almost like when you're a when you're a scientist and you do a, an experiment and don't. Has, isn't it true that some uh, some experiments uh, in pharma? have maybe gone wrong like they weren't able to prove that it works the way they wanted it to work but they create entire industries based on the on the failure like on the what actually happened with it and that is so true no matter what so just remember don't ever get down on yourself or feel bad just keep trying just try again you know because no matter what i'm sure whoever you are out there you have amazing qualities and and you're fun and interesting and you just have to believe in yourself as well no, now I'm getting very corny. I'm so sorry. Mother in me is coming out, I think. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a perfectly said. I think that believing in yourself, I know it does sound a little corny, but believing in yourself is so important. And again, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, that those little acts of kindness, I guess they call it like the random acts of kindness or the small things. 
I mean, communities are built off of those little things. I think that, I think you said this earlier that the government and governmental programs and like these big projects, they're so important, but really that grassroots personal community building that can make a world of difference on an individual level for everybody involved. And it gives people the satisfaction of building their community. Cause I think at the end of the day, that that's what's important, no matter what you're passionate about, whether that be STEM or like art, music, education, whatever you're interested in, you can try to better your community through that passion. It's true. And I think quite often in, in, uh, in at-risk neighborhoods, communities, low income, you know, it's always like, I want to get out. I want to get, I, I, I better myself so I can get out. And I don't like that construct. Like, I really think it would be cool if you could better yourself, bring everybody up along with you and stay in those communities and just make them rock, make them amazing, which you guys are already doing. I want to ask you, like, what motivates you? You have no time. I know that. And yet you always find the time to do these amazing projects and uh, and to give back. Can I ask, is it okay if we turn the tables and I ask you? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. So I guess in terms of the podcast, this these conversations inspire me. I think I learn something new every interview, every second of doing this podcast. I learn new stuff from Bernice, from our guests. And I think being able to learn new things, but also spread that knowledge and share what I've learned in my experiences with other. I think that's so important to me. I think this podcast has given me an outlet to express myself, but also the messages that we get on social media and from our listeners about how this podcast or a specific interview or a specific piece of advice has inspired them or they really took something away from that. I think that really helps me at least keep going because you see that small impact on one person one day that these kind of projects have and it might be an interview we did a year ago and then I see an Instagram DM oh I liked your interview from last September and I was like oh wow I forgot about that but I I love that and it just it really brings it full circle for me I think it's awesome yeah, and um, I remember a couple months ago, one of the incoming freshmen at like high tech high school, um, she like messaged me and was like, oh, like, were you the girl at Bellworks who did the Dear Little Sisters event? And I was so flattered by the fact that since I didn't even know this girl and the fact that she remembered me and remembered that experience, even though she just like stopped by and happened to be there, that really cheered me up. and. Going into what motivates me, I've always looked forward to these interviews and I think that when it comes to motivation in general, it's so important to me to just be doing the things that I'm passionate about. And that's a piece of advice that I've gotten from my parents a lot. Like my parents always say, if you're procrastinating, just like do the fun thing first. I'm a writer, so sometimes that's literally just like write a poem or like start a novel or do something that's going to keep me going so that I want to do all of these other things that are more stressful and I think that that piece of advice is really what motivates me is to just keep doing the things that I'm passionate about. I think that should be the the title of this podcast if you're procrastinating do the things that you love first. (laughs) Thank you and our last question for the day is 
What is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Probably what I had said before, like, don't feel bad about yourself no matter what. You know, you're going to come across people that don't like you or like kind of look at you like mm, the side eye, like, oh, she just said that or did that, you know, but never take that to heart. You just, you just keep moving, listen and absorb it and use it, but have that inner peace or confidence, you know, to just keep driving forward and don't feel bad and don't let things stick, you know, in your like psyche or whatever. Um, the, uh, back to the failures thing. I mean, you know, there have been times in my life where maybe I used the constructive criticism, criticism to go the right way. But of course, you know, I think we women feel that more, I could be wrong, I don't know, but I just, you know, we, we feel the world, the weight of the world is on our shoulders and we, um, as a gender, like we have to look the right way. We have, you know, the appearance has to be great or we have to say the right things or come across the right way or we feel less than, and you should never feel less than. And I would love to go back and tell my, tell my, my younger self that. I think that's great advice. And I think as teenage girls, sometimes there's this kind of pressure, well, whether that be external or internal, that everybody has to like me, or why does why is that person looking at me weird? And right. I, I think my mom was telling me about this like psychology or this study that was like, in a group, some people just won't like you for no right. reason at all. It's just your personalities don't mesh. You don't have anything in common. They just don't like you. And I feel like that's something that I've really had to learn. I'm the type of person that wants everybody to like me. Even if we have nothing in common, we're never going to see each other again. I'm definitely, I think, a recovering people pleaser, but... Um, <laughs> recovering, I like that. <laughs> yes, I'm trying. That's great. But thank you. But I think that it's just important to understand that it's okay if not everybody likes you. I mean, I've had to realize that. And I think the sooner you just get it over with, it, it makes a world of difference. Right. And I think what I would love to tell, you know, young women, even younger than you, is that, um, you know, just to rise above that peer pressure and just be you like like you can be a total nerd and love science and math and still spend every waking minute at Sephora drooling over makeup like that's fine you can do both so I think so often like I remember I was in a program once and one of my teachers had to ask the kids they were talking about I don't know science or something and a little boy raised his hand and he asked what's the difference between a doctor and a nurse and a little girl raised her hand and said that's that's easy silly a doctor is a boy and a nurse is a girl and we're talking like 2019, like this isn't 1948, right? So like, I think we just have to, I don't know, just like be ourselves and like, whatever it is that maybe is not uh, stereotypically right or like whatever everybody thinks you should be doing, do it anyway, whatever, you know? That, anyway, that's what I, I, I hope people would, would be able to, to take away from this. Yeah, and I think that you're right for pointing out that the pressure almost falls disproportionately onto young women specifically. I think that attending like a pre-engineering academy, I'm faced with that a lot where young girls, they're seen as frivolous. It's like their ideas are like uneducated. They're not taken as seriously in society just in general compared to like boys and like older people. 
And I think that it's important to realize that being feminine inherently doesn't deserve to be taken less seriously and that we can be ourselves while also being taken seriously by the right people. I think that's such an important message. It is, but I think that um, my opinion is that a, you know, a, a, a feminine person maybe sometimes has to work harder to get ahead. Like I'm guessing you go to an engineering high school in gym class. Is there a chance that the, the coach would be like, hey boys, suck it up. And he'll say to the girls, oh honey, have a seat. You're fine, don't worry, right? Because we have, as old people, we have these gender norms that this is how things are supposed to be, these constructs. So, so as a, as a feminine, you know, maybe a smaller person, you have to be like, no, I'm fine. You know, you have to like push yourself maybe even harder, which isn't fair. I know. But the nice thing is I think a lot of women have started to break that glass ceiling. So to make room for you guys, you know, in the next, uh, 10 years, hopefully, you know, we're trying hard. my generation, we're trying hard, we're not doing really, but we're trying. So. So, um, but yeah, we have a lot uh, on your shoulders now. We're handing the mantle over to you, so. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. I, this discussion was so insightful and you taught me so much. Thank you. Oh no, thank you. You guys, I look up to you and I can't wait to see your next Dear Little Sister podcast. Thank you so much for allowing me to be your guest. Mm -hmm.